Episode 5, John the Poacher. Welcome to the Power of Your Podcast. I'm James, and I'm here with Colin. Hello. And Jade. Hello. This is the show where we talk to people from all sorts of backgrounds, from artists and musicians to business owners and biohackers, and everything in between. In this episode, we talk to John about life as an urban forager, the edible mushrooms that fill Hackney marshes, and where to find horseradish that will blow your mind. Well, thanks for coming to talk to us, John. So I guess let's, let's just start by asking what is foraging for those that don't know. Most people start off with picking blackberries. That's a type of foraging. Then you get more skilled like you know, myself. What's the most unusual thing that you've ever found that you didn't expect to find whilst out foraging? Um, shower fruits, kiwi fruits. They're pretty unusual. Chinese bit of oranges of St. Paul's Cathedral. Not found any babies under a gooseberry bush. <laughs> <laughs> still time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still time. <laughs> and how long have you been foraging for? Um, that's a hard one. Started as a kid, we used to pick mushrooms when we used to go fishing with my grandfather. Um, but apart from that, it's just been a hobby that's turned into a line of work. So, easy 30 years, 35 years. And always around Hackney? Um... Yeah, mainly, because I've been here 35 years now, so classify myself as a local. Yeah. And I mean, one thing that kind of um, struck me was we, we went on a walk with you uh, last Sunday, and it was, yeah. I think we'd all agree, it was... Uh, oh, it was fantastic. It was incredible. Yeah. We learned so much, but the biggest thing for me was just even in that first park we went to, just how much there was everywhere that obviously I had no idea about, and I guess most people wouldn't. Yeah, well, most people just look at things in like two, dynam- two dimensions. It's just sort of like, oh, there's trees and there's grass. But when you get looking closer at the grass, it's not just grass. It's lots of other little plants that are make- making the areas up as well. And then you've got all the different types of trees, which then that gives a habitat for different types of fungus, plants, hiding underneath them, and all the different fruits and things that you can get. And... Could you name some of the, the things that we saw in, in that initial park? Just because I, I can't remember the names of them. All right. Uh, first thing we came across was the false acacias, where I was explaining about the chicken and woods that grows on them and using the blossom for syrups. Then we came across these paperbark birch. Then I showed you the uh, mahonia, the strawberry tree, the sweet bay, the trees with the mushrooms on it. And I think that I think the really like the amazing thing about that is like yeah, like you said, you'll be walking around not realizing that all of that is around you. You've just listed off you know six things that I wouldn't have known until you know we went and did the walk with you. You would have been completely oblivious, kind of walking around saying, "Oh, that's nice grass and nice trees and everything else," but not seeing how much you could you could actually forage and kind of you know essentially live off. I guess. Yeah, you get that a lot. There's. Um... A lot of people that come on the walks that I get to meet afterwards and they'll be walking down the street and they're spotting things now where they're before. And watching people on their way to work, they walk down the road and there's some fruit on the ground. They'll step over it or around it, instead, whereas I'll stop and I'll look to find out where it's come from so I can go and harvest it. How long have you been doing the walks for? Because oh, that, That's not that long, that's only a few years now. Okay. It was a friend of mine that got me into it because... I've been in the pub and somebody would say about wanting to come out, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not sure if, like, any chance coming out. 
It's like, yeah, come out. And then a friend of mine made up the posters for me. And uh, yeah, started putting a few posters out, picked up the walks, but most of it now is all word of mouth. I mean, you're saying, yeah, saying that I, I was speaking to a friend of mine um, just on the phone, I kind of mentioned what you do, and she was like, I really want to go and do that. It's so interesting. So you'll have, a, you'll have another person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, just, that, that's how it goes. Yeah. I, get, I get messages, I'll, you know, it's like, oh, I saw one of your posters here. But most of it is like, my friend told me I must do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean uh, one thing, the other thing that was kind of like amazing for me was Hackney Marshes and just, the, uh, was it the mushroom circles? that? Oh, the, the fairy rings, yeah. Yeah, it's just insane yeah. to think that that's all there. Well, the best best thing about that area is the fact that it's just, if you're walking around either side of it, there's loads of trees and different habitats and stuff like that, but in the middle where the pitches are, it's just flat grass. And you just look at it as sort of, you know, barren. But once you actually get out there, there's at least three different edible mushrooms that grow on those rings. And, and that's the other question I had for you. I think I asked you on the walk, um, how do you know which mushroom is edible and which ones aren't? That was easy. Give them to your friends and your Facebook <laughs> That's the same answer you gave me on the walk. <laughs> yeah. So no, it's, it's just knowledge. I mean, it's when you're starting to learn on mushrooms, you want to learn things like, um, the fairy rings and field bluets, field mushrooms, you know, really easy, simple ones to identify. Normally, rule of thumb, learn three per year. You've learned three, comfortable with those the next year, pick another three you want to have a look for, and just build up from there. So, who initially taught you most of what you know, or was it myself? And error? Mm. I taught myself reading books, being out on marshes all the time, um, building my own traps catching all my own fish yeah what kind of made you stick to what you're currently doing why you know like what was the part i guess oh well i'm a qualified chef mm. i have a diploma i'm also a qualified gardener and conservationist but this has been a hobby of mine for years and it just turned into a line of work it wasn't a active choice it's just something i've always been great at and yeah people start to get in touch i had that first photograph in the Natural Geographic and then a couple of articles and stuff after that and that's it. This is how I make my money now, doing the walks. And you also work with uh, restaurants and bars and things like that? Yeah, yeah. I work, I work with a lot of uh, different pubs, restaurants, chocolate maker, cheese makers, soda makers, beer, you know, brewers, uh, just started working with a cocktail place. I hear you've got your own cocktail name on. Named after you as well. Uh, this is like the third one that's been named after me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I've had, beer, I've, I've had beers named after me as well. And, um, but yeah, it's great because the cocktail guys are a lot different to anybody else that you'll ever work with because they want things that nobody else wants. Like they take the moss and all I would do with it is stick it into a container, put some worms in there with no soil and they wiggle through it and it toughens the worms up so they stay on the hook when I'm fishing. And they wiggle a bit more, but they're you know distilling it and using it to flavour drinks. Another thing you said on the walk was um, something about the kind of work-life balance um, that people used to. Oh, my quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kind of uh, we're now living to work rather than working to live. Yeah. Uh, you know, years gone by, people would have small holdings and veggie patches and things, and they would swap that with somebody that had another animal or 
something that they weren't growing. So they were just getting up, working to grow all their stuff, and then, you know, having a nice sort of life. Like they weren't very rich, didn't have a lot of money, but nowadays everyone gets up, stresses about work, rushes off to work, goes to work, earns money, goes to the supermarket, buys it back home, back out to work, and it's just a very boring cycle for most people. And you've kind of you've broken that mold. You obviously, yeah, they definitely broke mold when I was. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you kind of you you're out almost every day, or if not every day. Oh, I'm, no, I'm out every day. I mean, even even today, I've had a day off, and I've just been lounging at home, but I've still been out sorting out the ferrets in the garden and sorting the dogs out, and it's still stuff to be done, but mm. it's not you know stuck in four walls where I've got somebody telling me what I'm supposed to be doing. No, that's nice. And you don't buy much from the supermarkets, if if anything, right? You're yeah, very very few things, if anything. So what what would you need to buy, like food wise, or is there um, food wise not so much? More sort of toilet roll and cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a natural release. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, but you know, pick the wrong one. It could be uh, interesting. <laughs> Where do you see your future? I mean, do you want to turn what you're foraging into um, a business that will make more money, or are you happy doing it? I'm I'm extremely happy the way it is. I mean, it will generate more money as years go on. Um, Hopefully, I'll one of these days get to do this book I want to do. But it's not for the fame or anything like that. It's just I can do this and earn money out of it so I don't have to stress myself out going into a job where I'm not going to last for a few weeks working there. It's not going to happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, the future will be what it will. Mm. You know, might end up with a TV series. I could end up with you know, blogs and whatever. It just You never know what's around the corner when, when you're doing this sort of stuff. I see it as a kind of way of life. And does that, that kind of philosophy transfer into other parts of your life like I don't I don't assume you're very materialistic or um, but, but that's what I mean does it does that transfer into all parts of your life just kind of taking on that you know you've got nature on your doorstep um, you don't want to go out and sit in like an office job or, or chefing because it's not conducive to your happiness or the, the way you feel yeah it's, it's funny it has been in my life like that in a lot of aspects. I mean, like the money that you guys paid me. You know, I bought some bits and pieces on online for when I'm going sea fishing. But that's so I can tie all my own rigs and stuff. But when I'm doing a lot of the course fishing stuff when I was younger, I used to get the inside of the Kinder eggs off my sisters, the plastic lollipop sticks that are hollow, put them in the middle of the yellow Kinder egg thing and use them for my pike fishing floats. And I was always out fishing. I was always grubbing around in the uh, in the gravel, finding all the swivels and leads and that, so I didn't have to go and buy them. Proper freeloader. <laughs> well, not not so much freeloading, but just making the most of every resource. And that's kind of that was like the main takeaway for me after the walk. Just that there is something everywhere. Like you was the tree you were you were drilling for the sap. I mean, all these different things that... The odd nuts you were picking up on the floor uh, you're fishing, 
bits and pieces. Oh yeah, well that's for that's for tie on the line, very efficient. That's just weight. Yeah. I mean you've got like you've got the elder elder trees out there that you know everyone knows for the elder flower and the elder berries. But you get the dead sticks, like the, the straight ones, and when you crack them open, it's just got a pith in it. And my grandfather told me how to make floats out of that. You can get the reeds, you can cut the reeds for making fishing floats. Yeah. So I cut cut all the hazel for making all my pegs for my perch nets and for my snares, or when I make a sort of six foot piece of hazel, put a big metal hook in the top of it for hooking onto branches to pull the branches down towards mm -hmm. me, or when I'm up the tree, so that you're you're reaching out and you're hooking onto them at a point where they're more flexible, instead of trying to do it close in where they're liable to snap, that way you can take more care of the trees mm. and the environment, and that way it's gonna, you know, be there for longer and create more food for you over time. Like when, whenever we have anyone come in, I always like to talk about like when they were kind of children, what they thought they might be, or what they were kind of moving towards. As like, I'm always interested in people's childhood because sometimes it's sometimes you see the direct link from their childhood to what they're doing now. Where you're given the freedom to kind of you know roam around and you know climb up trees and all the, all the rest of it. Yeah, we were. We were latchkey kids. My my age is uh, still the era of the latchkey. Mm. Not like nowadays, everyone keeps a check on all their children. Mm. But um, no, I mean, I was always out fishing, around the park, climbing trees, mm. you know, scrumping for fruit, stuff like that. And I wanted to be a chef. That's what yeah. I wanted to be when I was growing up. And then when I'd done that, it's like, yeah, it's not as glorious as it sounds. <laughs> and have you got, uh, you were saying you, had some kind of setup with is it Hackney Council that yeah Hackney Council just basically let me do what I want and in return you yeah I keep a check on trees and bits and pieces and stuff but it's great I've just found a Hackney Council hat woolly hat <laughs> <laughs> so I've got I've got my proper a bit more urban camouflage now as well <laughs> just 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 put it on everyone walk past him with a hat and so sort of like oh I just want a council worker that's fine. <laughs> I was just going to ask for what advice would you give someone who, not someone who's looking to, to go foraging because I think you need a bit more time to do that, but if you had uh, a small garden or a patch of land out the front of your house, what could you do to, to make some, like, you know, obviously plant something, but without too much effort? Is there anything you there's would... A, there's an amazing book that I came across, um, a friend of mine had it, and it's called the the four foot gardener. So you basically make a raised bed, like four foot, and then you divide it into four foot into like one foot squares, and then you can have like you know radishes in one square, lettuce in the other. So it, it's quite a nice little thing of being able to use a small amount of space to harvest the most amount that it can do. So that's quite a good one. But then. If you can grow stuff at home, you might as well grow the stuff that's going to give you the highest yield that you can get, like runner beans. Right. Um, tomatoes are good, but you tend to have a lot of problems with them. Or if you want to grow stuff, then grow the stuff that's going to be really expensive in the supermarkets. Right. If you want to do it for you know, saving money point of view. Mm. But I mean, things like mushrooms, how would I, because I've got this, like these wetlands in front of my where I live, um, and I just like the idea of having some things I could forage in there. Yeah, well, there'll be stuff in there. Um, you can get logs that you can 
impregnate with the spores of the gardens and things. You can get, um, you can grow oysters, oyster mushrooms at home. You can get those boxes for you know white mushrooms that sit in a cupboard. You can do all that sort of stuff, but you'll never get the flavour from mm. those like you will what I collect wild. Mm. Well, like the uh, the horseradish. Um, how how did that horseradish ever get to that spot? That was well, I, I, I've heard that there might have been a horseradish um, farm there because there was a lot of small holdings in this area like, you know, a long time ago. But realistically, what's happened is because the horseradish is similar to a you know a wild cabbage, sort of for leaf wise and all that, the pigeons will come down and eat it. So if they're picking up the seeds not digesting the seeds and they go and sit on the pylons mm. or in a tree. Because um, that's where this horseradish was, it was kind of yeah. under this pylon. But then you get other places like with the soil and things like that when it goes to seed and then because they're maintaining the area come through with lawnmower that spreads the seeds. The same as on Hackney Marsh that's why all the so many mushroom rings because mm. they're spreading the spores through the, through the lawnmowers. So it's quite interesting because then you'll get the guys that go around the housing estates with their push mowers and one of the estates I might have dropped some spores on going to look for something else. Mushrooms there, they've hit the mushrooms with their lawnmower and now they've spread it to all the other estates. So when you know when I have to get a bus I always sit up at the top looking out the window <laughs> and when it's mushroom season I'm on mushroom time so expect me to be late. <laughs> when is when is mushroom season? Um, well, the first lot starts on the 23rd of April, St. George mushrooms. And then in the summer when we get some rainfall, we'll get fairy wings and field mushrooms. Ear fungus will be about, chicken in the woods, beef steaks will come up and then it will slide into, you know, the more sort of mainstream, what everyone thinks is, the, you know, the early autumn sort of mushroom season. I'm looking forward to going on a mushroom walk. Yeah, so we're, we, yeah, we'll have to go on another one. So <laughs> I'll try and bring bring a couple more people as well because it's great. I think I mean you know it's just this it's great for you to come on that one that I done in October mm. where I only had the four people turn up and we've got nineteen kilos of mushrooms yeah. sitting on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. can you can you store mushrooms? What's the best way to? Yeah, them? yeah. Um, you can dry them. You can freeze some. So there's yeah you can put them in oil, make some mushroom ketchup. Oh. There's quite a few different bits and pieces you can do with them. So what's your, what are you most, how do you cook mushrooms? What's your go-to? Very rarely. <laughs> oh, really? You don't? Yeah, I'm not a great fan. Oh. <laughs> I, I used to be. I used to love mushrooms, but where I pick so many now, you get a bit fed up with them. I like, I like the St. George mushrooms when they come up because the wild garlic's up at the same time, so you get garlic mushrooms. The chicken and woods I like because that's a nice sort of firm one, and the beef steak, the same thing. Um... The fairy rings are great because they all sort of dry down really quick and then you can store them and they rehydrate. But yeah, when I get into, when it's sort of like the field bluets, there's just so many of them. Mm. It's just, you know, walking around sometimes with two baskets, you know, going to all the, you know, the pubs and the restaurants and stuff. Mm. And they're all cut with a knife to make sure that they're all sort of looked after, nice and clean and things like that. But it's amazing how much actually gets produced out of a small wary that near where I am. And I've noticed up on the farm where I do the hunting. The first couple of years up there, there wasn't a lot of mushroom activity at all. Last year, they've shown up. <laughs> and, it's, and it's on the areas that I visit a lot. 
with my wellies that I use when I'm on the marsh. So I'm trans transporting spurs up there, spurs, spurs, up there, and they're literally just field boots and horse mushrooms and field mushrooms. If I to borrow your boots, velvet, <laughs> <grab my garden>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, velvet shanks and uh, getting giant puffballs up there, and, yeah, all manner of things. Do you ever get the kind of urge to live out in the country or do you feel like you've got everything where you are? There's no real money in what I do in the countryside. I'd have to have the money to buy a property so I wouldn't have to be like trying to find the money to pay for the rent mm. or find a, a rich widow. So. <laughs> 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 but I mean, in terms of the nature that's uh, out in the country versus where you are. There's more where I am. Really? Yeah. There's a lot more nature where I am than there is on most farms. In in what way? Because we have so many different habitats in a smaller area. But, I mean, you've only seen a small part of the area. So you've been around Springfield Park, walking through the back of Walkinside Marshes and then down onto Hackney Marshes, but then you've not been around all the wetlands and up onto like Tottenham Marsh. Mm. So you've got all the different ducks and all the you know water birds that come in and stuff. Then you don't see any of the stuff, like when I'm out there with the night time with the night vision stuff, just having a look around, you see all the nocturnal animals and birds and stuff. Yeah. And there are a lot of, uh, like what, what were the, the trees that were planted, like a Turkish, is it? I can't remember. A Turkish hazel. A Turkish yeah. hazel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you see them a lot on the streets. Because people don't recognise those husks mm. as like hazelnut husk or, or um, cob nuts. People generally just ignore them. Mm. And when do they when do they appear? They'll be late summer. Late summer, okay. Yeah. Late yeah. summer, early autumn. I'm interested to to try those as well. Yeah, they're great. It's, so do you have like a massive pantry full of nuts and other... No, not really. I just keep a small amount for myself and most of it gets shifted on to mm -hmm. other people and stuff. And then, so in the winter months? I do a lot of hunting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hunt? Rabbits, wood pigeons. You know, they're the things I get asked to come into the farms to, to clear to crop protection. Um, sometimes we'll have the odd deer. They're running the shoots on the farm, and I'll go along, help out as a beater, and then I'll get paid in game. So, you know, ducks, pheasants, geese, and that sort of stuff. But other things in the winter, like okay. vegetables and stuff, is that, does it stop that? I mean, I'm. Well, you came out with me, that's winter. Yeah. I suppose it was more like a spring day, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but that's as much winter as you get here. Right, okay. So there <laughs> yeah. are still things. There's always stuff. I mean, all those greens that we saw, you put those into, you know, omelets and stuff. That's mm. a staple diet. Mm. Yeah. Or even like a, a salad, you could make you could make a, a small salad out of some of the things we... Yeah, well, when I get the uh, the Duchess oil, the rapeseed oil off, of, off the farmer, that's mm. why I use my salad dressings. Ah, uh, right. That's what just makes a, a wild salad perfect. No, I just, like, he's just sitting there just listening like, yeah. Gonna have to come on more walks. <laughs> so no, no, no. Like I'd never tried before. Like yeah. even the sorrel. I think I've seen them before, but I don't remember ever trying them. It's like yeah. I'm 
really like apple kind of taste to it. It's like can tell you But that's what I like about the stuff out there. It's the flavors, the textures are so different to anything you can buy. Even going to farmers markets, it's just not the same as when you're picking it yourself. Mm. And then you bring that back, and straight away you you know you're making an omelet. The flavors that are coming through in that omelet are just second to none. And I guess it's also like the bit as a maybe it's maybe it's less for you because you do it so often. But for for me, like just kind of going and being like, right, okay, yeah, just I literally just picked that, <laughs> like that. That is from you know you know exactly where that was from. Uh, there's a little bit of pride when you when you do get it. You kind of got it yourself. Yeah, a sense of achievement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And nice. I think that's probably part of what makes it taste better as well. Yeah, I suppose like supermarket stuff. You just see it in a packet. You don't know where it's come from, what's yeah. in it. When the freshness, as soon as it, if it's just been picked versus it's been picked, it's been shipped, it's been yeah. it's refrigerated. Look, look at your face when you ate that horseradish. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> horseradish. Tears to your eyes. Yeah. What's yours? <laughs> so, um, with, I'm not sure with, I mean, I read something once about uh, fruits that grows kind of next to a road or something like that. Um, it, it absorbs some, like, some kind of toxins. Yes. Is that the case with any of the stuff? Because obviously there were parts we were next to roads and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a few bits like that, but most of it is like right in the middle of the marsh and there's so many trees around there that you know it's green space but they say that about fruit and things picking up the toxins and stuff but you're only eating that for a tiny part of your diet right plus these people are working up in the city yeah they're breathing in a lot worse than what's down there right yeah i mean you look at the you know we went across leebridge road and that's the only road we actually crossed you know, until we got down where we finished. So that's the only road in amongst all that green space. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it matters that much. No. Talking of um, talking of green space, so they're planning to build. Where is it they're building again? Remind me, please. On some of the green belt land around here, where they want to build, mm. they want to build flats on it, and people are petitioning against it. Yeah, that's like down on. Um, the old pitch park golf course on off the Libby Road. Mm. They've been trying to build on there and stuff, so yeah, everyone's up in arms about it. Yeah, are you are you kind of obviously because you use you know, you forage and you kind of around the land a lot, are you in did you get involved in any of that kind of like activism is sort of too strong a word but but you know, kind of are you, are you I, kind of involved in that a little I bit? do a little bit, but I do it my way. Mm. Not the sort of I'm not one of those people that'll be straight up front and like at the front of the march and stuff like that. I just use some other contacts I've got that, you know, have a lot of followers on Instagram and stuff like that, a lot more than I have. So everyone's got to follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Plug myself. Um, so I just sort of send messages to them and then they get really on the bandwagon because I love the area that they live in. So that helps to boost it all on. Just one of these little annoying things in the background that gets things done without having to show out too much. That's a good way to, to do things, I think. Yeah. I suppose once it's built on, it's gone then, right? That's the thing. Yeah. yeah, but once it's built on, you've got all the, the grass and the plants and stuff. And I'm trying to um, talk to them. I get a few people on the walks that are architects and stuff like that. I'm trying to teach them that, yeah, build a 
building, that's your job, that's what you know, but instead of just putting like all the mental stuff out, put stuff that's going to produce fruit mm. and things like that that's going to help the bees, that's going to help us, that's going to be able to harvest, you know, rather than just having sort of ornamental stuff that's going to drop all flowers and make a mess. You just put you know, some apple trees out there, some plum trees. I'm sure there's a place in Italy they've built and it's called a vertical forest. And it's like loads of stuff that produces like loads of good oxygen and absorbs all the nasty stuff coming out of the exhaust. So I'm sure that's probably one of the good things to be doing yeah. as well. Yeah, I've seen, and I don't know how much this has been like photoshopped, but I've seen quite a few uh, kind of images on, on like Instagram across the internet where you see like essentially tower blocks, but they've got they're just teeming with you know trees and foliage and you know that kind of thing. I think they're trying. They're, they are what are they? The you know, capital T they um, are trying to like incorporate a bit more nature and try and take care in how things are built. Well, it's, it's funny, it doesn't matter what you build, Na- nature will find a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the amount of foxes in London. Yeah. You know, that's just one instance. Down near where I live, we've got a little community garden and I've been sat in there and there used to be a big pub that has now been built on its blocks of flats. And you sit there and somebody will come out on their balcony and when they come out on the balcony, they disturb bats that are hiding behind the metalwork on the balcony and you see them flying around in the in the daytime and then once a person goes back in the bat will go back and you see it crawl up back into its little hidey hole but i mean you were saying about um so architects should figure out ways of putting fruits and vegetables and everything else but don't you find that sometimes you you do that i mean even at the station here there's a community group that planted rosemary and loads of herbs along there no one picks it and then the same even when we went to happy marshes with you and there was that kind of area that had all the sage oh people people pick off there but they're the people that have been out with me right (laughs) but i mean the kind of everyone else they got this hang up about yeah but i guess i don't don't know but i'm only one man yeah yeah Yeah. so i'm slowly educating as many people as i can and Mm -hmm. then hoping that that's going to filter down. It's definitely education. I don't think it's that people don't want to do it. It's people don't... One, you, you, I... They don't know it's allowed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's there on the train station. It's like, look, if you don't have your ticket, you get told off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's growing there. It's like, oh, I picked that. Am I going to get, like, no... I'm on, on camera. Sign. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, you'd, you'd need a sign-up saying, like, trim a small amount, you know, yeah. like down to, you know, a little side bud so that it's going to grow more and stuff. So it is quite a lot of education to... Yeah. But it only takes kind of, you know, maybe someone that knows about that stuff kind of st- standing there for a half a day or yeah. just for a bit of time just saying like, oh, you know, do you want to take some? You just don't and then stand there with little paper bags that has yeah. got some rosemary that you've harvested from somewhere else. Yeah. And you just hand them, yeah, see, like, this is this. It's like, yeah. Yeah, but then I suppose the flip side of that is, I mean, the way Waitrose, for example, um, display their fruit, it's all shiny, it's all stacked nicely. As soon as you see, uh, when you were hacking off a bit of horseradish for us, and you know, for someone who's not used to that, they might say, oh, what, what, I can eat this? Shouldn't it be in a nice plastic? 
bag or something. I want, I want to do an art project where we get an apple tree that's in a big bucket and wrap all the apples in plastic and sit outside a supermarket, <laughs> see if anyone will actually pick one if they're wrapped in plastic. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. That's just how my weird brain works. <laughs> well, I used to live, um, I was staying in Waltham Abbey, and there's an, a, a place there with loads of apple trees. Mm -hmm. And, huh? it. yeah, it's, it's great, and my kids loved it. And we would go and pick apples there, but the majority of them just they'd fall on the floor, they'd all rot. Yeah. And then there's a huge Tesco's literally the other side of it. And people are buying, you know. I, I, do, I, I do think it's just education. I think people need to know they can do it. There's a supermarket down near, near Wonsted Flats that I go to. And I go out in the back and I go and harvest all the mulberries off the tree that's out in the back of it. <laughs> and then out the front there's an apple tree. And it's like, right. Yeah. And my kids' mum used to live near there, so we'd drive into the car park, I'd be waiting in the car, and I'd look out the window, and she'd come back, and I'm sitting there with a basket of mushrooms on my, <laughs> on my lap that I've just picked off the grass going into the car park. And it's like, where did you get them from? They're growing just there. Yeah. It's, it's like rosemary. Rosemary seems to be everywhere. Yeah. We went down to, um, a friend of mine who was in the car, and we went down to this petrol garage, and drove into the petrol garage and we didn't want any petrol, she just wanted to buy a couple of bits. So drove over to the back where you can park up. She's gone in, she's come back, and I've got like a big armful of Turkish hazelnuts <laughs> from the three trees that are just above the wall where we parked up. And she's like, Where'd you get them from? I'm like, up there. <laughs> so are you always on the lookout for everywhere? Like just can't help it. It's, that's why if I go to the pubs and stuff, I always try and sit in a place where I can't see any greenery outside <laughs> so my brain can switch off. And do you have any other hobbies outside of foraging, hunting, fishing? Um, drinking. <laughs> That's a good hobby. <laughs> no, I've, I've started making jewellery. Oh, okay. um, but then people started to offer to buy it off of me, so I've stopped. Because <laughs> it's, it's threatening to turn into another line of work, so it's like, no, <laughs> What, what kind of jewellery? Um, I was making like earrings and necklaces out of shells that I was collecting down the beach. Uh -huh. Plus, um, when we were looking at that, uh, the mulberry tree, and we were getting the ear fungus off of it, mm. well, I had the guys cut me some of that, and I've been shaping that into wooden rings oh, and cool. things. So. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm. I think we're we're good. Unless, did you guys have any other? No, I think. I, I mean, apart from when can we come out again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's actually, that's actually a good uh, a good point. When, like, when's the next kind of the best time to come out again? Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out now, as you've as you've seen. The next sort of change that we'll get will be the end of April. And that'll be when the St George mushrooms come up and the wild garlic shows. We'll still have the like the three corner leek and all the other salady stuff that we've we saw. So all that'll still be out there. The trees and stuff will start to change. There'll be some leaves and stuff like that. So the actual landscape will look a lot different. So you do that all year round. People want to come and message you on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So it, what's it's, the next available date? 
Yeah, I've started to not exactly hassle people a bit more, but put out the post every now and again that oh, yeah. I'm going to do one on a Saturday or you know this sort of day, so that because I only have so many weekends in the mm. in the year, and most people want to come out on the weekends, yeah. whereas the chefs always want to come out in the week because weekends are their busy times. Yeah. yeah. So. And what's the typical duration of? I mean, we were out for. Quite a few hours. We was out for about four. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's normally three to four hours. Mm. Four hours is about average. Yeah. Um, if it's mushroom, like if it's the big glut of mushrooms, and it's sometimes can be a bit longer because you're you're stopping a lot more, like to to pick. So yeah. Well, I would highly recommend uh, your walks. The amount of yeah, the knowledge you get from it is just phenomenal, and the fact that it's in London as well, it's just unbelievable. And it's not, and it's you know, and, and just beware with the horseradish. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to try the horseradish. That must yeah, be a, 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 a that ritual. Is, that is my signature um, <laughs> <laughs> evil thing to do in the pubs. <laughs> like, Have you ever tried fresh horseradish? Yeah, try this. Yeah, try it all. He says <laughs> it's sweet. <laughs> well, it is sweet. It did it honestly. Is. Honestly, though, it did. It did turn sweet. Yeah, after that initial. Uh, Kick, yeah, yeah, blow your head off. yeah. <laughs> but that kick lasts, for... <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was, I think we do a footage of that as well. I think, yeah, we've got that yeah. somewhere. Yeah. We'll pop that up on the uh, yeah, on the making grown men cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, that's my new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> so, if people want to contact you, John, um, yeah. is it just on your on Instagram? Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, they can look on Instagram. In amongst my pictures, there's my phone number. Okay. So, yeah, just phone up. And, uh, yeah, as you guys know, it's 30 quid ahead. Yeah. And you come out and uh, get tortured by me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's we'll, a fair price. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll put everything, all your details in our in yeah. the show notes of this. So if anyone who's listening does want to go on a walk, yeah, sure. I know where to find you. Mm, cheers. But thank you for coming in and talking to us. Yeah, it's, thank you. And for the walk and everything. That was episode five of the Porover Podcast. Follow us at Porover Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at Mr. James Stanton on Instagram as well. And you can follow me at Colin underscore Stanton82. And you can follow me, Jade, at Black Films on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>